If you sometimes feel that you're lost in your own head, but you desperately want to connect with other people, and you've realized that you can't drag them to your world, that you need to find a way to visit them and talk to them in a world you can share with them, and if all the idea of that makes you feel happy and excited, then whether comms is your career or just something you want to know more about, comms as a direction is a bit like a tide. It takes a lot of things in a direction together, has a lot of power, and whether you body surf on it, surf on top of it, or you know just scream along somewhere in the water looking at all the amazing fishies in the reef. Either way, the ride is amazing, and I think it's probably the ride that suits a lot of people who love ideas and words. The ultimate hidden truth of the world is that it is something that we make and could just as easily make differently. David Graeber, 1961 to 2020. Welcome to Blind Insights, a podcast we call A Haphazard Guide to Living, hosted by philosophy master David Olney and myself, a philosophy student, Tim Whiffen. I'm joined today by David Olney. How are you, David? Very well, and very glad to be back recording. <laughs> yes, it's been a short while. Um, it's probably felt like a long while, I imagine, for a lot of our listeners' inboxes. I need to not say that because it's individually. It's probably felt like a long no, time actually, for you, dear Let's listener. talk about that because okay. I think that's an interesting one. So, listeners, we say listeners, but when mm. I record with Steve Davis for talking about marketing, we say listener. Mm. And it's an interesting distinction. So there's a thought in communications that you're talking to an individual. So treat people like an individual. But my thought is, because Blind Insights is so much about we wanted to create a sense of community and mm. people to feel that they're part of something bigger than themselves. So they can be part of the weird tribe we think about weird stuff with us. So to me, I'm happy to say listener because in Steve's context, that's what he would like to do. But I very much lean with blind insights towards listeners, and Tim can have the deciding vote. I'm I'm on listeners because, one, we've been doing it for so long, and two, this podcast has never been about practicing what makes a successful or you know popular podcast. It has been a project about what we sh- sharing knowledge and what we value, yeah. yeah. Yeah, which is so, different. Yeah, we, we'll stay with listeners because we want you to feel like you're an extension of well, there's two of us, mm. and there's however many hundred or thousand of you at a given episode, and mm. that's the way I like thinking about it. Yeah. Well, I, I, this is an interesting topic, right? So y- you and I, let's say, uh, trained as philosophers, <laughs> now work in a field. You know, I guess marketing slash communications slash yeah. I, strategic com slash media yep. um which i guess has a uh an air of s- s- selling out <laughs> i would call it applied philosophy and psychology mm. i think that's how i think about it and it could very easily be conceived as selling out if you work for unscrupulous people selling garbage to people that they don't need and can't afford mm but if you're not doing that, if what you're actually doing is working with nice people with good messages and good products and making sure that people can find out information about things that might actually improve their day 
or they're weak. Uh, it's another one of these things where there's a spectrum and rather than saying you can spin the spectrum any way you like, no, you can't. You have to decide where you're going to work on the spectrum, which was something we were both concerned about. I was concerned about at the start of the Masters and you were concerned about earlier this year when it was like, eek, do I continue as a one-man band or do I look for a job that gets me more experience and speeds up the development of your career? So to me... It's about picking the space on the spectrum you're comfortable in and accepting there'll always be a little bit of ambiguity, but that's okay because you've got a pretty clear sense of where on the spectrum you're comfortable. And for me, it's where it's nice people treating other people with respect, making and selling decent products, or creating and trying to disseminate really important ideas. All those things, I got no problem with that chunk of the spectrum. Oh, I, I, absolutely not. And I just find it, it's just such an interesting relationship, I guess, between two areas that might have seemed in some ways, or maybe on a values basis, uh, incompatible. But it actually, when they're combined, um, it's sort of like putting cheese and strawberry together, two things you might not have thought tasted really good, but when you put them in your mouth at the same time, it's actually a, a whiz-bang combo. <laughs> I will think about that in terms of a baked strawberry cheesecake. So I'm going to put a few more steps into that, but I, but I agree with the end point. I'm perhaps just not going to do the raw ingredients. I'm quite possibly also going to keep half of the strawberries and macerate them in champagne. Mmm, yum. Now we're getting hardcore. The only way to do cheesecake. Actually, now we have to work out how to make the vegan version. What do we, how do we make you a vegan cheesecake? I'm not the person to ask. Right. I, we, I, we I, I investigate. <laughs> they tend to not have uh, the, the best texture, but they get all the, the sugar levels right. Mm, so. Sugar levels. <laughs> <laughs> hey audience we're back and it's weirder than ever because we've missed being weird because now we have to be grown-ups more often which means you're yes. going to suffer more weird shit when we record yeah that's right or preferably enjoy more weird shit when we record look it's part entertainment it's edutainment isn't it that's yeah. <laughs> it's educational <laughs> see to, to leap into that i think part of what the transition is about too is something we had both realized um as students and me as a lecturer and us early on in podcasting that the hyper rational argument doesn't work doesn't work on most people but if you can talk about your experiences and your emotional responses to experiences and understand that your feeling mind makes a decision and then your your thinking mind rationalizes it so in a lot of ways comms and marketing and media are far more truthful to how human brains work They accept Mm. that first and foremost, we have a feeling and emotional response to things and we rationalize after. And that that is true whether you acknowledge it and work with it ethically or whether you manipulate it. Yeah, that's right. I'd like to think that we've just learned the powers of the force and you you and I are sort of on the the light side of things. Like, wouldn't you prefer that if people are going to use these manipulative tactics that there are people out there trying to do the right things with them? Absolutely. Well, this is the whole point. There are things that trigger people very effectively. Mm. And that's what psychology and comms 
have spent a lot of time working out how these things work. And it's mm. all there to be read and used for positive or negative, and some of it can be countered. So you have to understand it one way or the other. And if it's being used negatively, you also have to learn to counter it, which is why I enjoyed you know, my crisis comm subject so much and why I did a heap of extra reading in that area and you know, why I did a heap of reading on how to deal with really difficult people. <laughs> I don't necessarily want to, but if I'm going to have to as part of my career, and it's going mm. to happen sometimes, um, I want to be able to interact with them in a way where I up the chances of us getting an outcome we're both happy with and neither of us wanting to scream at each other. So it <laughs> means I'm going to have to push some buttons. Mm. And I'm okay with that. Again, from exactly the argument you made, you know, I, I might think Darth Vader has the cooler costume, <laughs> but you know, you can wear black without going to the dark side. Yeah, yeah. It's like true. Chuck Nor- that great Chuck Norris movie from the early '80s. Good guys always wear black. <laughs> and of course, it probably came out 15 years before you were born. So, yeah. oh, I went so very through helpful. that. I went through that stage where I was obsessed with Chuck Norris. It's fine. That's okay. Everyone <laughs> probably is. Unfortunately, by the time you get into the late series of Walker Texas Ranger, he must be mm. about 103, not out. Yeah. <laughs> There's endless streams of Chuck Norris content, I think, yeah. Well, and also every new series of Walker, Texas Ranger, you know, you get the coolest new handgun of the year. So you can keep <laughs> track of what the hot firearm is in a given year. Which clearly for a big chunk of America is a very significant concept. Yeah. yeah. Not a not a foreign sponsorship, really, yeah. No. Well, <laughs> if it's not made in America, it's probably made in Germany. Yeah, true. That was but, random, look, wasn't it? Yeah, no, but the uh, <laughs> point is, it's you, you, people get their messaging from all kinds of different places. Um, yep. And I don't know, I I think it's it's just been an interesting transition. I haven't really changed where I'm going, I guess, in some ways. Um, I now work for a company called Solstice Podcasting, as an update for you listeners, and it's... Uh, partly run by an independent media outlet here in Adelaide called Solstice Media. Um, and it's also um, co-owned by Nicole Hark, who also owns a PR and crisis communications company called The Message Bureau. Um, so I've somehow also ended up in an environment that is very similar to what David does for work. And it's engaging, I think, because part of... What I realized in these past few years doing Blind Insights and and getting really excited about all the kinds of ideas that we read in books is that getting angry that people don't listen to these messages isn't the way to it's the way to go. Like David said, the hyper rational um, book or the hyper rational, carefully constructed argument about why we should you know adopt a different approach to economics or um, change the way that we vote, you know, or something like that. It doesn't doesn't work. You've actually the the um uh, the emotional mind wags a rational tail. Uh, I think is the, the right emotional way dog around. wags the rational tail. Yeah, yeah. So Jonathan hates great comment out of the righteous mind. Totally, and mm. I, I I'm I'm interested in changing the way that we think about things, and even the way that I think about things, and that's really the crux of my my job personally. Um, by talking about them in a way that people um, engage with. And I find that imminently fascinating, actually. Mm. And for us, because we've got the training as philosophers, we're always going to go into the minutiae and probably still be quite rational. But Mm -hmm. 
It's about recognizing where that came from and balancing it with you know honesty about the emotional content that often informed it. You know, the rational is the last bit, and it's always very interesting. So really, I think the biggest thing I've learned is to include the first bit. What was the emotional trigger that made me start to rationalize something? And to accept that a lot of people will, because they haven't been trained as a philosopher, have the emotional thought and just go, yeah, do that. And their rationalization will be very incomplete because they don't even feel the need to. Mm. They've not been trained to think, no, no, this is normal to rationalize to a hyper degree because it's not normal. It's actually quite odd, and it's very specialised normally to individual professions. So I just you know, finished listening to David McRaney's book, How Minds Change. And the point he made in that is that rational argument really works if you're within a group of people who have the same tools, the same rules, and understand the same facts in the same way. So a bunch so of lawyers can reason with a bunch of lawyers. Well, yeah. you're talking with a common language, common tools, and common rules. Mm. So, you know, a bunch of doctors together can make a lot of sense about what they're talking about. A bunch of lawyers together can make a lot of sense. But you put a doctor and a lawyer together, and it's no different, you know, a medical doctor and a lawyer together talking about something, and it's no different to putting us as lay people with either of them. Mm. Because, again, we've lost that common tools and rules and common understanding of facts and what he argues in the book is that what we all have in common is experiences and how we feel about experiences and curiosity to understand things so what we really need to discuss is okay we both just went through the same thing let's talk about how we experienced it what emotions went with your experience wow our sense of what just happens different. Our emotional response is different. Well, this is interesting. Would we like to try and understand this better together? That it really has to be through consensus and a mutual commitment to understanding that we expand beyond our experience and training. Mm. Now, that I like. And I wouldn't have... Well, I would have read the new David McCraney book simply because David McCraney's great. But after, you know, 20 odd months of the masters i read it so well informed to make better use of it and better sense of it because of all the reading about communications well yeah you've just finished your study david do you find that this last 24 months has resembled um, any likeness to your passion or experiences in something even like teaching but in complex problem solving did did you find any resemblance to that? Like I I I actually liken my experience in communications to it a lot, but I'm interested to see what you feel. Now. I would probably go back to something earlier, and that's picking up violin. Okay, because you know I'd been playing guitar and we you know, got frustrated, got bored, and then discovered violin and was like, wow. And in a sense, it's a bit the same. I've always enjoyed thinking. I've always enjoyed teaching. But comms has given me a more virtuosic way to play with thinking and words. And I'm not saying I'm a virtuoso. I just don't know a better way to describe the change in it. Like guitar, you can do complicated things, but violin, you can go crazy. Mm. You know, reading philosophy, teaching complex problem solving. You know, is amazing, but 
playing with words and working out how to convince people and working out how to persuade people and working out how to get people to a calm place so they can listen with an open mind. There's a joy in learning how to connect with people. And all right, someone cynical would say, oh, you say you're happy you're manipulating people. No, I'm not manipulating people. If I manipulate people, I'm going to give myself a moral injury and damage my moral compass. Mm. That's not going to happen because of who I am. But there's, yeah, there's something astounding about like hitting a lex. Actually, virtuosity is the first word that popped in my head. But it's like suddenly you get to take all your discipline training and go into some sort of free form application. Mm. So I guess complex problem solving, you know, teaching you guys was always fun. But, you know, living in the mess at two commando for a week and training people who are already super smart and super capable and you're just adding 1% to their mental skill set. Mm. Again, you're helping them be a bit more freeform, a bit more yep. virtuosic, giving them just different ways to use tools. So this has been sort of, it's felt like a similar step up for me. And I think probably part of that is because, you know, they set me a curriculum and I did about twice as much reading and learning as I actually needed to. Yeah. I'm like, right, I need this. Okay, I found these other things too. Right, burp. You know, the fact is, <laughs> listeners, I, you know, I had a month extension on my thesis if I wanted it and I didn't end up taking it because, you know, my world has been pretty crazy. You know, my best friend's mum died. Uh, my cousin Kerry died. Her dad's got stage four bone cancer and is in chemo at the moment. So life outside of work and thesis just got, you know, really emotionally intense. So I ended up getting my thesis in on the same day as everyone else, despite doing all this extra silly work that I did to just be better informed to sort of freeform my new career. Mm. Uh, I'm really sorry to hear about how hard the last few months have been, but the positive thing is I suppose you have the space to deal with those things appropriately or with, yeah. give them give them, give them the, the amount of attention. That I was think the that point, just getting the thesis gone going yeah. you know the longer this drags on the more it erupts sort of emotional truthfulness and i think that's an important thing i've learned from studying communications is when you've been trained as a philosopher it's so easy to sideline your own emotions mm. and it's something that's always been very interesting you know sort of knowing you and duk and other young people who've been trained in philosophy where because of your age Society encourages you to be more emotional. So you've had to balance more being the emotional human that young people are now meant to be. Society lets you and encourages you to be that and applying your philosophical training. Whereas when I trained in the 90s, it was still just be the rational machine. Mm -hmm. you know, the ultimate thing the philosophy department and the politics department valued was either be you know, a Cylon if you're into... Uh, Battlestar Galactica, you know, or, or be Spock, be a Vulcan. Mm. And I think I'd rather be a Cylon because they're cool and they take over the galaxy. <laughs> you know, their lack of remorse is problematic, which means I'm fine. Trust <laughs> me, I'm fine. I I sort of hear what you're saying. It's interesting to become attuned to how emotional we are, even if we're not necessarily letting it out. But I can't help but feel, um, as someone who's been encouraged to be emotionally liberal, let's say. Or open. Um, 
open yeah um for my whole life the training as a philosopher that that may still present danger and i don't think media has changed my mind on that one bit kind of in some ways makes me feel a little defenseless and and so the kind of mastery of communications and and words and and understanding how all of that works i I feel has armed me Uh, i feel has been some kind of defense against Mm. the dark arts (laughs) i think in some ways you just kind of described my comment from before a different way that really Mm. in a lot of ways comms is a combination of philosophy and psychology both being applied Mm. because philosophy is okay how do we rationally do things psychology is well how do people actually work and comms kind of makes use of all of it and you know i would love to go back to a medieval university and study rhetoric because i wonder if we've really gone full circle yeah i wonder if a rhetoric department in medieval spain was literally a comms department i bet i bet it was it like yeah nothing nothing's new Mm. because humans haven't changed that much our technology has and the more it changes you know the more it's a sort of scary you know we're pulling on the human rubber band a bit too hard there's going to be a twang snap very soon because our brain is just changing very gradually and yet our environment our technology is changing rapidly so you know listeners at various times over the years you would have heard me talk about using an iphone well i now have the new apple watch ultra um, nice. and yeah, you know, having even more technology on board to make my life even easier and have technology immediately on the other wrist. So I don't even have to, you know, lean the cane on me. I can just hold the cane, you know, with two fingers and start doing gestures on my watch and get things happening, get GPS up, get the data I need, respond to a message, get information in real time all the time. And I'm like, I'm one step closer to being a cyborg. But thanks to yeah. the comms training, I'm also trying to be a bit more open and honest about the emotional content being there first and I might be able to rationalize you know I might be able to wag the you know the rational tail faster than most people from all the training Mm. but I'm still trying a bit harder than I used to to acknowledge the emotional dog is really me my name is Woof Well, then I would be extremely interested to know if the way that I just described my attraction to you know, comms was, was true, like that it was in some ways uh, arming myself against vulnerabilities that I saw in myself. But um, I'd love to know what the emotional trigger was to get into into this field. I can't help but feel like mastery um, or virtuosity. There's some kind of application of interesting ideas that's just extremely attractive and i'm not sure whether that has to do with validation earlier or whether there's yeah maybe it is a defense thing i'm not 100 percent sure Man, but i'd love to know the emotional trigger <laughs> I, i'm as you were talking about the thing that popped in my head is post-traumatic growth mm. by being emotionally open you take more hits mm. so what's the toolkit for growing out of hits because if you have a really thick shell you risk not growing at all so, you know, there's, there's either risk of being vulnerable because you don't have a shell or being underdeveloped because you have too hard a shell. So if you're going to opt for, you know, not carrying around very heavy armor, then you have to have repair tools and growth tools. And it would seem yeah. to me in a world, if you're not a science nerd and you can't disappear into a lab, then you're in a world of people. And that's a world of communications because it's really the only common link. You know, in a world where 
you know, everything's so fast and we've all got handheld devices or now wrist-worn devices even. <laughs> yeah. The common thing is being able to send someone a text or a voice message or an image mm. with a line of text if you can see that. You know, comms are central to our you know, very old and very newly experienced minds trying to deal with rapid change and lots of scary shit. I think it's as simple as that. It feels like a, a very first-line practical influence. You know, we speak about ivory tower academics who seem to be able to construct magnificent arguments that don't actually seem to be effectual in any way. And this just feels like coming at it the, from the opposite end, which is understanding impact mm. and then searching for good insights to inform yeah. well, them. What we're doing is being inductive. Mm. Yeah, it's inductive method. Don't go in with a preconception. And yeah, that has been me my whole life, which is very practical from a blind perspective and became less and less practical the more I studied political philosophy. And I wonder is where so much of my skepticism of theory comes from. Mm. You know, now some Nicholas Taleb's great comment at the beginning of um, Anti-Fragile. You know, the people who write books don't run the world and the people who run the world don't write books. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I neither run the world nor write books, but to me, the lesson here is, if you're living in the world, pay attention to the things you do day to day and extrapolate from that. So be inductive. Mm. And being inductive means it can't ever be entirely rational, and it's going to change as you get more information. So you need to be more iterative, more open to curiosity and having an insight but then being willing to revise it so in terms of jumping back to complex problem solving it's why when i first read about bayesian theory i was the, thinking that you know mm. the, anytime you get new data you have to reassess your hypothesis mm. yeah, you've got to do a new probability assessment um, am i right am i less right or do i need to change my hypothesis and i got no problem admitting when my hypothesis is wrong mm. and to me if you can't let go of a dumb hypothesis Something's really gone wrong. I can't help but feel like this is an interesting iteration or interesting lens through which to view right place, right time concept. The idea that we somehow have found a way to live up to the things that we value most about information about like learning or whatever it may be and embed that into our work as in you know, Bayes theory reassessed um, with new data and changed our hypotheses. Yep. Yeah, but somehow like it was something that we've something that we value and yet that is so embedded into now what we do for work yeah. and it doesn't necessarily matter what that looks like practically but what it does do is fit into our values in a yeah. in an abstract way not in the way of like where I think people my intuit values being embedded in work with something like you know having charity or mm. It's it's interesting. It kind of aligns with what the, the things that we like to talk about or think about and learn about are now mm. really embedded in our work. And that's an interesting way to think about being where you're meant to be. Yeah, so I think this has been a pretty good advertisement. Yeah, because if I that. look back to when I started podcasting with you know, John Bruni in, I think, 2016, he started Strategicon, yeah. we started yep. recording. And I immediately understood I liked podcasting, but that was very structured and about the world. So it was really only with Blind Insights that I realized, hang on, this is a whole other way of communicating and positively affecting people. 
Mm. And really, right from early on, I'm like, hang on, how do I move closer to this world? And of course, I thought it very practically initially, oh, I need to move towards the world of podcasting. And yet, mm. it's podcasting that's the thing, and that's what our early conversations were about. And yet, yeah. you know, when I did my first internship with Andy and Liam at Ozcast in the first semester, what I realized is the podcast industry is so much a work in progress where everyone is struggling to work out how to make money out of good content. Yeah. Um, and I realized, no, 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 no. I like to podcast, but what I'm into is the ideas and communicating itself. So I yep. like two ends, and it's the ideas I like. Not the, you know, the medium is nice, but the medium's not more than a medium. So what I yep. like is talking about interesting ideas and knowing how to talk about interesting ideas and podcasting is one way to do it. And you know, more and more, my blog post is you know, working better and better as a way to do it. Definitely. I, I'm, I'm obsessed with the medium, um, mm. but ultimately, I don't care necessarily what the medium is. It's just an ex- excellent way to get into the kinds of conversations that I, I like. It's an excellent, it well, is it, an excellent Once medium. again, right place, right For, time. It was the mm. medium at the time you were you know, working out what to be as a grown-up mm. as the medium that was available for me to talk to a new audience. Yeah. And it was those two things together and Michael you know, getting you to enroll in complex problem-solving yeah, that got the lines to intersect. So, yeah, yeah there's there's been like several years now of right time, right place, and a lot of forces you know, in us and bigger than us mm. that all quite strangely... And again, this is the thing of pattern recognition. It's all far more random than we're really describing. But we've been able to make a good pattern out of this because, you know, again, listeners, sorry if this episode is really confusing, but we haven't recorded for a while and so much has happened. You know, I think in some ways what we're talking about here is a great example of a combinatorial ontology. We yes. have so many shared understandings of philosophy, now understandings of media and comms, an appreciation for the medium of podcasting, an openness to any new medium that allows us to talk about cool ideas and learn more about communicating well. Mm. We're moving with a tide now instead of against it, which is a nice sensation. Yes. As much as in some ways this podcast represents an irony in that it has been confusing, it is also what I feel personally a great advertisement for what we do on the basis that we're so passionate about it and has explored the motivations, I guess, in a pretty unique and, and underrepresented way. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know whether that's maybe if there's any summarization that you could give about working in comms, because that's how I feel this episode has ended up. Yeah. Like Okay, let, let's have a go to summation. If you sometimes feel that you're lost in your own head, but you desperately want to connect with other people and you've realized that you can't drag them to your world, that you need to find a way to visit them and talk to them in a world you can share with them. And if all the idea of that makes you feel happy and excited, then whether comms is your career or just something you want to know more about, comms as a direction is a bit like a tide. It takes a lot of things in a direction together has a lot of power and whether you body surf on it, surf on top of it or you know just scream along somewhere in the water 
looking at all the amazing fishies in the reef. Either way, the ride is amazing, and I think it's probably the ride that suits a lot of people who love ideas and words. That will play really nicely to open us up as well as close us off, um, and I'm happy to I'm happy to let them reiterate. Thank you so much, David. Was there anything else that you maybe wanted to mention just to get catch our listeners up or? No, no, I think it's amazing that we've done an episode that is the same shape as the ABC logo. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. My favorite bit was the top right um, when we took that kind of, you know, 100 degree turn. um. (laughs) Now, remember, listeners, it's okay to have your airsick bag handy. Well, it's great to be recording with you again. And of course, listeners, if you're after more of David's fantastic insights into communications, you can catch his podcast, the Talking About Marketing podcast, where Steve Davis, one of our guests at some point, hosts a podcast with David. It talks about marketing, I guess. It does what it says on the packet. And you do all the production, which is why it sounds good. (laughs) I try, I try. I don't have to work too hard. You guys do a pretty good job. (laughs) That's a relief. All right. Thank you, listeners, and thank you, David. Thank you, everyone, and thank you very much, too. Thank you for listening to Blind Insights. If the ideas of this episode have inspired you, please consider subscribing and sharing with your friends. Do them a favour so we can make a better informed and connected world. Thank you to Solstice Podcasting for use of their studio. If you're interested in making your own podcast, find out more at solsticepodcasting.com.au.